It's Thursday the 19th of January and you're listening to the Guardian Unlimited podcast with me, Oliver King, and the International Development Secretary, Hilary Benn. Hilary Benn, you've just um, come straight from a plane from uh, Ethiopia and Kenya. Um, there are, there's trouble in Ethiopia and uh, you're suspending um, payments to the Treasury. What, what can you tell us? Um, we're deeply concerned about the situation in Ethiopia. Uh, concerns about human rights, governance, the, the locking up of uh, opposition leaders following the elections that took place uh, in June. Um, I met both some of the leaders of the opposition who are not locked up, the families of some of those who are detained. I also met Prime Minister Meles. And I've taken the decision that we're not going to continue to give what's known as direct budget support. That's money that goes straight to the, uh, the Treasury in Ethiopia. But I also told the Prime Minister that just because of these difficulties, the poor of Ethiopia, and there's a very large number of poor people, shouldn't suffer. And that's why the other reason I went was to talk to the team about other ways in which we can continue to provide help to the poor, because it's not their fault that there, are, there is this uh, serious crisis of governance in Ethiopia. So we're looking at a different way of continuing to provide help. And one of the things I went to look at in Ethiopia was a safety net scheme that we have been developing, uh, which really is making a difference to people's lives. It gives them food, but it also gives them some cash, People can save a bit of that cash, and I spoke to a group of villagers yesterday morning who said they'd been able to buy clothes, household utensils, um, buy some animals. Uh, they've been building some roads in return for the cash, and it's improving their lives. Um, in your conversations with the Prime Minister, uh, how, did, how did he appear when you highlighted uh, your, your, uh, your concerns about human rights, sir? Well, I said it was really important that there should be prompt and fair process uh, because people have been charged with very, very serious accusations and, and should only be so if there's uh, clear evidence. Um, some people who've been detained have been released, but the opposition were telling me that there's been further trouble in Oromia where uh, children have been uh, rounded up. And uh, the Prime Minister is well aware of the effect this has had on Ethiopia's reputation internationally because it's not just the UK which has taken this decision that no longer will we give direct budget support. All of the other donors who were doing the same have reached the same conclusion. And I, I met a group of them last night to talk about what we're now going to do, to, as I say, to continue to provide support to the, the poor in Ethiopia. Um, but I'm very worried about the situation there because up until the moment of the election, what had happened, access to to the media for the opposition parties, the fact that people voted in a very open way represented real progress in the history of Ethiopia, which was under a terrible dictatorship not all that many years ago. And that's why I think there's such deep concern and, frankly, sadness on the part of all of us about what's happened over the last six or seven months. So no sign that, no sign that he was going to give way on this one? Well, on two issues, uh, I was able to get commitments out of him. One was that there should be an investigation into the recent incidents in Oromia. I welcome that. Secondly, we've been pressing uh, him for quite some time to allow um, international uh, inspection of the detention facilities. Uh, the Prime Minister was not prepared to allow the International Committee of the Red Cross to come in, but he did say to me yesterday that he would be prepared for another uh, reputable international organisation to do that. I welcome that, and that's something that we're going to be pursuing. You also went to Kenya, where um, there's a developing crisis there as well. There is. In the north and the east of the country, there's a very severe drought. And I went on my way to Ethiopia to Wajir district, where it hasn't rained in over a year. And uh, cattle are now beginning to die. People are coming to the town because they just can't keep going anymore. 
and I spoke to one man who'd been there a couple of weeks. Almost all of his uh, livestock had died. Uh, he'd had no food since he'd arrived in the town. Uh, the family were keeping Rowan Soul together by collecting firewood and selling it, and two of his uh, daughters were actually in the hospital, and I visited the hospital and saw a number of acutely malnourished children. And the immediate priority is to get food and water. I met all of the aid agencies and the government minister responsible, and they said there are three things we need. Help with moving the grain that the government is now making available from its stocks, uh, money to hire water tankers, and money to hire drilling equipment to drill, uh, drill boreholes. And when I was in Widgia, I said that we'd put another three million pounds into exactly those priorities, in addition to the just under 10 million we'd given to Kenya in the last year and a half. Because this has been a crisis that's been unfolding, and what's tipped it over the edge has been the continuing very severe drought. Um, you're asking uh, Guardian uh, readers via the website to uh, contribute to the uh, contribute their thoughts um, uh, to the to the, uh, your department's white paper, which will come out this summer. Now, you're, 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 the, the, the first part of that is, is a series of questions that uh, uh, you're posing and, and asking for responses for. I mean, what, what, what exactly is it that you'd like our readers to contribute to and, and how, how much genuine influence might they have uh, uh, in that white paper, which comes out later? Well, I think we... we we all face the same challenge. We've had 2005, a year in which uh, the Make Poverty History campaign, political effort and commitment has uh, achieved real progress. Um, it's been a year in which we've debated and discussed development in a way that I can never remember in my political lifetime. The question now is, okay, so what do we do? And I think there's a number of real um, issues that we need to debate and discuss and decide on what's the, the best way forward. One is clearly... What's the most effective way of ensuring that everybody fulfills the promises they've made? And that's about, it seems to me, maintaining the political uh, momentum. Um, I'm making a speech today about the importance of economic growth and jobs. Because I, I do think that one of the, the parts of the uh, development debate that we haven't heard enough about is, in the end, it's jobs, it's economic growth that's going to lift people out of poverty. That's what the evidence tells us around the world. And I'd like to see that um, more at the heart of the, uh, the campaigns that uh, development organisations are involved in. And there's very practical questions. How do you help, uh, say, a country like Ethiopia to uh, build more roads so that people can get their goods uh, faster to market? How can we work with developing countries so that they improve the speed at which their ports operate? I was in Bangladesh just before Christmas. It takes seven days to get your goods through the port. In other parts of Southeast Asia, it takes seven hours. In Bangladesh, you need 38 signatures to clear your goods through customs. In other countries, you need two signatures. Now, that's nothing to do with the WTO colonial legacy. It's about how societies change the way they operate to maximize the chances that people within developing countries will want to invest their own money and people from outside. Because all the evidence tells us that in the long term, that's the best way of getting uh, um, economic growth and therefore jobs, income, and better lives for people. I think the third question is, how are we going to help countries? What's the most effective way of getting those remaining 110 million children who aren't in school today into school, uh, achieving the new uh, target we've, we've reached agreement on last year on AIDS treatment for everybody who needs it by 2010? What's the best way of giving the support? How do we reform the international humanitarian system? Um, and we're having this debate, the international system is having the debate, and 
I'm keen that people should participate, and genuinely, we're in the market for ideas. I mean, normally, a government department would say, this is, this is what our initial thoughts are, what do you think? Why have you done it the other way around? Well, we're actually doing both, because in the popular version of the consultation paper, uh, we've set out what we think are the, the big issues and asked a series of questions, and then by making a series of speeches, I will be uh, putting forward what my initial thoughts are. And so it's, it's a consultation that will be operating at, uh, at two levels. I think the other big question is, do we have an international system that has the right structure to enable us to help countries in the end to transform their own lives. One really practical example of that is at the moment, the amount of aid, whether in the form of uh, uh, money or debt relief that an individual country gets is the product of lots of different decisions taken by loads of individual donors, multinational, uh, multilateral institutions. And the result is you get a very uneven allocation. Is that sensible? I don't think it is. Question, what kind of mechanism should we create to try and even that out more. We don't have one. Uh, I think we need, we need one, and I'm, I'm looking for ideas as to how best we might be able to do that. And finally, uh, you're announcing uh, government support to Tom Clark's private member's bill. Uh, what is it that that will uh, ensure? Well, I very much welcome the initiative that Tom Clark has uh, made. Really, it's a, the bill aims to get government to report more on the progress that we are making in, in helping to deliver development particular focus of Tom Clark's bill is government will have to report every year on progress towards the 0.7% target. Um, uh, but I think that, that Tom has put his finger on what will become an increasingly important issue because as more aid comes through the system, as there is greater interest in what we can do to help development to occur in developing countries, people want, will increasingly ask, well, how do we know whether we're being effective? What difference is it making? How do we know the money is going for the purpose for which it's intended? And I think Tom's bill is very timely because it will uh, encourage us to produce a lot of information uh, which will enable people to answer that question and good evidence about what works and what doesn't um, helps us to do more of the right thing. Hilary Ben, thank you very much.